I'm Kelly Boyland, and this is the reading of the word from Mark 10, 32 through 45. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you ask me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, for whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I am uh, live and in person in an empty Highland auditorium. Uh, and I assure you that the very few of us are here are keeping our social uh, distance. Uh, I, I didn't know until I saw Tabby that we were all going to wear our Easter best today. Uh, but it doesn't really matter because this is as good as it gets. So you're going to have to uh, learn to live with that. Um, I spent the uh, first uh, or the last 20 years of my life uh, seeking silence and solitude. I didn't expect to get this much cooperation. And it can be oppressive. Um, and technology, which has uh, been the source of so much evil, has also been a great lifeline to us in this time. And while you may have to be alone in your house, you don't have to be all by yourself. Um, when I was in Malaysia, um, one time I was, I was at a hotel and I really couldn't communicate with uh, anybody. And uh, so you do what you do in those situations. You smile. And um, one of the hotel staff, I saw him in the hall and I smiled. And he smiled back at me and did this. And it was such a lovely uh, gesture, just uh, putting his hand over his heart uh, to say hello to me that I've tried to adopt that during this time. I can't shake your hand, I can't pat you on the back, but I can put my hand on my heart and to tell you that uh, I can't have you in my arms, but I can still hold you in my heart. And maybe you can try that too. Just put your hand over your heart because almost everybody will understand uh, that gesture. 
So here I am, and I've been asked to do something enormously difficult. The government and people who are well-informed have told me that this is what we need you to do. Sit on your couch. Okay. If I had to choose that or storm Normandy Beach, I believe I'll take sit on my couch. Um, in one way, it asks a lot. It asks me to change my routine, to change my life. On the other hand, it seems like such a small thing to ask. The best way I can be a good neighbor right now is to sit on my couch. Well, that brings me to my text. Uh, Shane's been leading us through the book of Mark and my text today, Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45, is all about discipleship. This is the third time in the last three chapters that Jesus has given a prediction of his death. And each time he predicts his death, the apostles do something that can only be described as stupid. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus predicts his death and Peter rebukes him. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus predicts his death and the apostles are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in our text, Mark chapter 10, Jesus predicts his death and James and John are asking for the best seats in the house. We want to sit on your right hand and your left hand when you come in your kingdom. Three times in a row, Jesus talks about going to the cross and all the apostles and James and John can think about is power. We've attached ourselves to the king of the world. And when he comes in his power, how are we going to get some of that power too? And Jesus in this text says, oh, you've got it all wrong. The son of man, he says, didn't come to lord it over. He came to serve. Now, there's some debate among biblical scholars, but often when we hear the Son of Man, we think that what Jesus is emphasizing is that he is a human being. That's very unlikely in Mark. When Jesus says he is the Son of Man, what he is probably emphasizing is that he is that heavenly warrior in the book of Daniel whom God is going to use to conquer the world. And he says, even as that heavenly warrior, I come to you not to lord it over, but to serve. So he asked James and John a couple of questions. He says, can you drink from the cup I drink from? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they say, oh, yeah, 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 we're, we're all in on that. Well, of course they are because they don't know what he's talking about. 
the cup of the king, yeah. The baptism of the king, yeah. But, but what Jesus is trying to tell them, the cup that I'm going to drink from is the cup of suffering and the baptism I'm going to be baptized with is going to be the baptism of blood and death. Can you do that? And unknowingly they say, yeah. And Jesus says, yeah. Yeah, you will. The rest of the book of Mark, from here on out, is about one question. It's a question to the apostles. Now that you know who Jesus is, now that you know this isn't the power cruise, this is the death boat, now that you know the Messiah that you're following is going to the cross, there's this one question. Will you walk this way? The rest of the book is about, about us having to make that decision. Will we walk this way? Um, several of us are missing things that we didn't uh, think we would miss. I'm, I'm missing uh, ACU uh, chapel. And uh, I, I bet some of the students are missing it too. I know you're out there and you won't admit it, but it, you, know, you wish you were there. Uh, and uh, I've, I've been sitting in college chapels now for uh, more than 30 years and uh, I've heard some uh, good uh, chapel speeches and uh, then I've heard some others um, and uh, those three good ones really stand out in my mind but anyway um, and I, I spoke all those um, year, years ago uh, there was a chapel speaker who got up and said, I want to talk to you about integrity. And I got really excited because I'm an ethics teacher and integrity is one of those things we have some issues with. I thought, this is going to be great. He's going to, he's going to hit the students where they live. And he said, I went and I talked to the three most successful people I know. And I asked them, to what do you attribute your success and all three said the same thing. Integrity. And sitting on the front row, I don't always control my emotions as well as I should. And I think I did something like this. <sighs> Thinking to myself, you will never recover from that. Because the first thing out of your mouth, you told the students the reason they ought to have integrity is because it leads to success. Anybody can have integrity when it leads to success. The question is, will you have integrity when it leads to the cross? Will you walk this way? And the apostles are now in a bind. They thought all along that this was going to be about power. Who's going to be greatest? Who's going to sit at the right and left hand? What are the seating arrangements are going to do? And Jesus has come along and says, Oh, you've got this so wrong. I didn't come to lord it over. I came to serve. Now, will you walk this way?
So uh, this text has been on the schedule forever. And um, here I am preaching it in a context that I would never have dreamed up in my wildest imagination. Where we are pressed to try to decide. Is it going to be about power? Or is it going to be about service? But the thing is, it wouldn't have mattered when I preached this text. Because this text is always applicable. There's always something going on. There's always some reason for us to try to assert our power, for us to try to be in control. Um, in the history of Christianity, the two primary ways that people experience spiritual growth, the spiritual master tells us, spiritual masters uh, tell us, is by um, suffering and silence. And that's always been interesting to me. I thought, okay, why, why is it suffering and silence? And now we have this unusual situation where suffering and solitude are brought together. And the answer is they are different ways of experiencing being out of control. And at this time, we become very aware of how little of our lives and the world we control. And we need to reach to a hand. And what I'm suggesting today is the hand we need to reach to is God as he shows himself in Jesus Christ. This text is in a gospel. And it's not just in a gospel. It is gospel. It's good news. And I want to I close by conveying why it is such good news. Um, I, I've, I try to watch just enough of the news now to keep myself informed, but not so much that it makes me want to jump off a bridge. Um, I, I, you know, I'm trying to put a positive spin on my, on my retirement account. Uh, the way I'm thinking about it is... Uh, as those funds decrease, I'm just going to have to do more reckless things in my life so I won't live as long, and that seems okay to me. Um, that seems like an approach uh, I can live with. Um, but one of the things that strikes me is, you know, they're talking about the most vulnerable uh, populations, and I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, how can, I, how can I be a good neighbor and how can I can protect those? And my friends keep reminding me, I'm in that group. I, I'm in that over 60 group. I'm, I'm the vulnerable population that we're trying to protect. Well, that doesn't seem right. Um, I don't want to live forever. Uh, but I don't particularly want to die this way either. I don't want to suffocate really and then I'm drawn to this text where Jesus Christ is predicting his death and what he's going to do is suffocate that's how people died when they were crucified they couldn't push themselves up high enough and 
couldn't get air into their lungs and if the general body trauma didn't kill them, they would suffocate. God so loved the world that he was willing to enter all the way into the human predicament. Even to the point of suffocating for us. And so there's this invitation in an uncertain future. God says, in Jesus Christ, take my hand. And we will walk this way together. And that's the good news. God decided not to sit imperially on his throne and watch, but get into the muck and participate. I'm neither the prophet nor the son of a prophet. I have no idea what the news next week is going to be. I assume it's going to be bad. I assume the week following, it's also going to be bad. Long term, I don't know what it's going to be. Long, long term, I know exactly what it is. God in Christ reconciling all things to himself. Okay, we may be called to make, on a, few, to make a few sacrifices in the coming weeks. God says, come, take my hand. Let's walk into that uncertain future together. And together, we will go all the way home. That's good news.